Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serra. Thanks for inviting me into your home, long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' well-appointed paneled rec room, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. The gang's all here, of course, Ian, Albert, and Ryan. And uh, a big how-do to all of you catching us on one of our affiliate stations across North America, the podcast, of course. Check it out at TalkZone.com. And, of course, those of you who take the show with you on your mobile devices with The Conspiracy Show app, how else do they listen? And, oh, they can they can watch the live stream on YouTube. Please visit us on uh, on YouTube, and you can watch the radio. Imagine that! Isn't technology grand? You can watch the radio on YouTube. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Don't forget to hit the sub button. And uh, a special release to all of those loyal, loyal fans uh, who join us every week without fail in the uh, the chat room, the live chat at YouTube. However, and wherever you're watching. And listening, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes, and I thank you for your fine company. All right, uh, we are going to delve into uh, ET UFO experiencers uh, and uh, hypnosis, and how hypnosis uh, can help alleged alien abductees. Leslie Mitchell-Clark is a Toronto-based certified clinical hypnotherapist. She specializes uh, specializes in a number of modalities, including working with individuals who feel that they've had experiences with extraterrestrials. Um, most of this fascinating work, as well as metaphysical therapy, such as uh, past life and interlife regression, takes place at her Toronto Hypnosis Clinic, Light Work Hypnosis. And uh, Leslie is a properly vetted and selected MUFON mental health care professional. She regularly works with experiencers, contactees, who are part of their landmark experiencer research program, headed up by noted author and researcher Kathleen Marden. Leslie performs the same function for free experiencers. Free experiencers, that's the research group established by the late Dr. Edgar Mitchell. And for the past seven years, Leslie has been the host of a popular ufology-focused program, Contact which transitioned into Contact TV in the spring of 2016. The program is available on YouTube and also on the new UFO broadcast platform, Spaced Out Radio, and is heard in over 160 countries. Her co-host and the producer of Contact TV is experiencer contactee Wes Roberts. Wes and Leslie are currently collaborating on a book tentatively titled Intersection, A True Story of Extraterrestrial Contact. And that's uh, slated for a spring 2018 release about Wes's transformative experience with hypnosis and his recovered memories of alien encounters. Leslie Mitchell-Clark, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Oh, thank you, Richard. I am just great, and I just want to uh, really express my appreciation for having me uh, having me by uh, through the airways to uh, chat with you today. We've actually met on a couple of occasions um, at the... Um, Graham Hancock uh, speech, I yes. believe. Yes. And um, and uh, I think probably at Alien Cosmic Expo. One I of believe them, so. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Of course, of course. So well, thank you so much for having me on with this. Uh, I think kind of uh, controversial subject matter. My pleasure. 
That's a good. Uh, is it controversial? I mean, you know, um, I have um, I've had um, past life regression mm-hmm. therapists on the program, and and uh, I mean, it's, it seems like it's becoming um, more and more sort of mainstream. Um, or am I wrong? Well, I think the use of hypnosis in general um, is is becoming, I, I would have to use the word, validated uh, by a lot of the technology we have, particularly with regards to the real-time mapping of the brain. Uh, in other words, uh, what we have always known to be true uh, is that if you can get the body relaxed enough, uh, through just, you know, talking and relaxing the muscles and doing what we do, then that little, if you wish to call it a veil or a membrane between, um, between memory and, uh, and your current life sort of dissolves. And, uh, they know now that through the, you know, real time mapping of the brain that, uh, when people are, uh, put under hypnosis, uh, for some type of regression process, uh, that uh, the areas of the brain that are firing are, in fact, you know, the deep memory centers oft times, you know, the amygdala, and mm-hmm. not what you would expect necessarily to see. So uh, hypnosis is 5,000 years old, possibly older if you accept the idea of antediluvian civilizations, but it is, in fact, um, a really uh, profound treatment for all kinds of things but uh, particularly in the recall of of memory it's uh, it's very powerful although that area is very controversial i mean it has been as you know you know challenged in court and the yep. whole recovered memory is it i mean that's a tricky area uh, particularly when for example someone believes that they remember i mean memory at the memory in general is just even in a in our conscious mm-hmm. waking state you know things that we're we're sure we, we remember we we just did a, a show recently on the mandela effect oh yes uh so, I mean, what are your, what's your sort of exegesis on, well, <laughs> on you know, that, I think that whole I area? Think you're absolutely right. I, I think that uh, it is an esoteric area, um, and uh, I also believe that sometimes experiencers have physical experiences that have happened, and sometimes what they are recalling is probably something that happened more on the etheric level, right. which didn't necessarily occur uh, physically. But yes, particularly you know, in working in any kind of regression with children, I think that should probably be disallowed and not used at all, because uh, children uh, can easily are highly suggestible. And um, I, I think Richard, the the key to the whole thing is in the neutrality of the questions that are asked by the therapist. Right, right. I mean, there has to be a strict protocol. Completely. And uh, certainly, when people come to me, um, generally speaking, when they seek out my services to recover some sort of lost uh, memories of what they perceive to be uh, a, a ET encounter of some sort, they usually come with a mixed bag of memories. Some things are consciously recalled and are very clear. Some things feel dreamlike. But generally speaking, there's enough there that is conscious 
uh, where we can kind of go in and 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 see if there are further details to the story. Um, for example, uh, this happened not too long ago, a couple of years ago. I had a gentleman who was in fact a, a tenured uh, professor at uh, one of the main universities in Ontario, I'll say, and he had what we would call a missing time type of experience, yeah. which is of course very common in the in in this whole type of milieu. So what he recalled was his whole family uh, returning from a trip out to the cottage. They had been way up north, I think, by Montreal, and this is the 1960s. So they're in the classic station wagon. I'm sure you can just see it in your mind, right? Yes, yes, they're with the, the faux wood paneling. Like wood paneling, I don't think. <laughs> so they're traveling down the, uh, at the time, probably not an interstate, probably a mountain road of some sort. And all of a sudden, the the father just turned off on a side road for no apparent reason. And uh, instead of being freaked out, everybody, and there were at least three kids, three kids, two adults, everybody just sort of accepted that he was pulling off on this dark, you know, semi-road. And then uh, he remembered, uh, my client remembered consciously, and this is kind of interesting because it, 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 it's, it tells you how memories can be changed by the, you know, by conscious perception. He saw what he thought was a bunch of Cub Scouts riding their bikes up the hill. Okay? Now that is the... In the middle of the night. In the middle of the night. Right. Riding right by the side of the car, Cub Scouts, on their bicycles. So this is the last conscious thing that he remembered. The next conscious thing that he recalled is uh, the family was sitting in the car. They had they were sitting in the car, and the car just seemed to start up on its own, I believe. And they and it was now getting light, and the father just turned around and drove back to the main road, and the family never discussed it ever. And I think my client's like shirt was on backwards, something something like that. That's mm. not unusual for that that to occur. Now, um, for me to hear that, that really is highly suggestive that something occurred. There's a missing memory. There's a missing right. chunk. So uh, I I put the gentleman under hypnosis, and what he recalled was the following. First of all, he recalled that the what was going by the car were not Boy Scouts on bicycles, but small ETs, what you would call small greys. And a lot of times, small greys seem to be facilitators. You know, they're not necessarily the ones who want to talk to the individuals or or examine them, but they're like facilitators. My personal feeling is they're they're not always fully biological. Right, uh, yes. uh, That they may be some type of, you know, robotic you know, beings of some sort. Anyway, they, so he sees all of these little guys on the right side of the car and then also standing in the road. And then the car stops. And he's, of course, terrified. Everybody's terrified, except that it seems that his his siblings and his parents are unconscious. But he is awake. Hmm. And I believe the next thing that happened is the car windows sort of roll down and one by one, uh, the children start floating out the car windows. And he's the last one to go, and he's fighting 
every moment. And, uh, you know, he's fighting, going on to the craft. There is a craft. Uh, they are, you know, taken aboard. And from that point, uh, it's a very familiar scenario, which you've heard a number of times. I think one of the distinctive things that he recalled um, is Let me that, just uh, jump in here, oh, yeah. uh, Leslie. We'll, we'll take a time out. We'll pick up on this remarkable case study. Uh, on the other side, Leslie Mitchell-Clark, certified clinical hypnotherapist who works with alleged alien abductees, contactees, experiencers, through her clinic Lightwork Hypnosis. Back with more of our conversation right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Leslie Mitchell-Clark is with us. Her uh, clinic Lightwork Hypnosis. We're talking about her work with alleged uh, alien uh, abductees, experiencers, contactees, um, and you were sharing with us the um, the case study of this uh, tenured professor. Yes. Uh, does it usually start uh, when people come to you? Uh, is that what is bothering them? A recollection of um, a missing time, and they want to find out what happened. Is that is that generally the impetus? Well, that's often one of the primary things. Um, now, and certainly um, they will come if they have, uh, you know disturbing um, waking experiences that are consciously remembered. Uh, oftentimes there is a, a pattern of missing time. They'll be able to recall several incidents of it going, you know, where they experienced that phenomena going back to childhood. And quite frankly, most, I, you know, we have found, not just myself, but Dr. Mack and all the people that work in this area, uh, it's most common for people to have had multiple experiences uh, since they were children. It's very unusual to for someone to have an isolated experience and just that. Most of what's going on, or at least what what has gone on, uh, you know, into the 60s with uh, following. I think you know, some of the beings are following individuals genetically, and some of these experiences are even intergenerational where, uh, you know, I, someone will tell me that their mother had had missing time and blah, blah, blah. So it's, it's, uh, it, it is certainly one of the primary reasons. It's disturbing. You know, many of the, many of the individuals that, that I do see have, you know, already been through a very uh, medical or perhaps a psychiatric experience, and uh, they are certainly uh, concerned about their sanity. And um, and it's very comforting for them, uh, no matter how uh, how I uh, should I say distressing the memories are when we're able to recover them. It is such a comfort for them to have them recovered and to know that something occurred and that they are not you know out of their minds. Um, most people kind of suffer in silence and 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 carry it with them and uh, and then there are there are there are experiencers who um have been very damaged i believe by what's happened to them and uh, some of these poor people are really having a very difficult time functioning in life uh you know some of them are you know on disability they may be agoraphobic uh you know, be you know have a lot of fears so I also work with people. Well, actually, my whole my whole purpose is not just to get information, but my purpose as a 
as someone in the healing professions is to help the individual integrate these experiences and and uh, you know continue on with uh, with a happy fulfilling life while at the same time accepting what they have been through or what they continue to go through were you uh, interested in ufology first or were you a, a hypnotherapist first what how did the how did that work well that's an interesting question richard i i i have to say i've been interested in ufology all of my life and uh in fact you know had some of my my own experiences uh some in the teenage years and such and then uh i was always drawn to working with uh memory and the recovery of memory even as a hypnotherapist it was something that i just seemed to have a uh affinity for i think may i don't know maybe it's because i'm a mom and i can put anybody to sleep <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I do have a, I do seem to have a kind of a, a, a little skill at getting people into a deep trance. And we do tend to, uh, when people are doing memory recovery, even if I'm helping them to find, you know, a lost object or something like that, we do require a little bit of a deeper trance than, uh, say the kind of trance we put someone in for uh, behavior modification, like quitting smoking or or something of that nature. Right. Let me just go back to the uh, this case study. This tenured professor, oh yes, uh, who had the missing time, mm -hmm. uh, seems to recall from childhood his father pulling off the road on a trip up to uh, Montreal yep. and uh, seeing what he thought initially or remembered were Boy Scouts, yes. uh, which makes a certain amount of sense. I remember my, my well, at least my Cub Scout uniform. It was a gray, long-sleeved uh, kind of a jersey. So maybe that's where the gray. Oh, is came that in. is that what boy, I'm? You know, I'm I'm from New York City. Would that have been a Would that have been a typical Cub Scout uniform uh, of that time? Uh, I, I uh, the Cub Scouts certainly in the 60s and 70s had the long. At least up here in Canada, we had the long gray. Oh. Uh, Ryan, were you in the Cub Scouts? No, Albert. Ian, were you in the Cub Scouts? No. Well, I, I was I, a beaver. You were a beaver. Yeah. Well, God bless you for that. Well, I'm, uh, but I'm I, not going to touch that. That's okay. <laughs> 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 this used to be a family show. No, uh, well, I was no, I was in the Cub Scout. We wore a long uh, Cub Scout. We wore a long sleeve, a gray jersey. Oh, wow. Uh, so maybe that's where, you know. He... You know, that makes a lot of sense. Richard, thank you for telling me that. All this time I've been envisioning the little blue uniforms with the yellow kerchiefs that we wear the Cub Scouts wear in the states, but uh, that obviously that makes a whole lot more sense. Okay, so but I think that they are very able to use, as we call them, screen memories. You know, they're they're able to take things out of our mind and 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 use them to 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 make us less fearful. Well, that I, I wanted to ask you about that too, because is it not as a defense mechanism? Can our mind also create false screen memories? Let me. Uh, where I'm going with this is I, uh, a guest who's been on the show before, uh, an author and a lawyer by the name of Randall Montgomery. Mm -hmm. um, he believes that under underlying many, he's not saying all, but many alien abduction cases, there could be a component of uh, sexual abuse where the mind is creating this false screen memory. Uh, you know, something fantastical, you know, of being abducted by aliens may be a little more. Uh, easier to deal with than a case of sexual abuse. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, uh, there are people who have come to me believing that they have had abduction experiences, and we do come to find out that what we're really dealing with are 
um, you know, a kind of disassociation and, as you say, um, uh, the mind having created a more palatable or acceptable reality uh, from the sexual abuse that occurred. Right. But I would have to say I think that occurrence is extremely small. Ah. I really, really do. Um you know, uh, and of course, I've, I've worked a lot in sexual abuse as well, you know, as we do to recover memories. And those memories get suppressed and twisted just in the same kinds of ways that any trauma does. So yeah, there is, there is, I cannot argue with your, there is an element to that, but I certainly would not use a big, broad paintbrush there. I, I think it's something that does happen, but my part of my job is to be able to recognize uh, very quickly when we are, when I am dealing with a, a possible dissociative disorder. Because by law, as a, as a hypnotherapist, even though in the States I have psychology training and I'm a psychiatric technician, I am not by law allowed to work with anyone who is by diagnosis mentally ill. Ah, and so if, if someone has had hospitalizations and they have been received a, a diagnosis of uh you know paranoid schizophrenia or 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 bipolar disorder with depressive so i i really am not supposed to work with those people so one of the things that i have to do in my intake and this is true of course anyone that i work with i have to i have to ask a lot of detailed questions and find out about the uh, the psychological history of the person that I'm dealing with, so I usually have a pretty good idea um, whether someone is an experiencer or whether they are simply have you know twisted up traumatic memories of abuse from their childhood. I don't have to put people into trance to usually figure that out. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you were mentioning how people are often, you know, so relieved when they find out that, you know, they weren't out of their mind, that there was yeah. a, a reason behind the missing time. I don't, for me personally, and I, I'm not an experiencer as far as I know. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I, I do have sort of strange memories, mm-hmm. sort of sketchy memories, and I'm, what was that all about type thing, but mm-hmm. many of us do. But I don't know that I would, I, I don't know that I would want to know. I think I would be more, I'd be happy just saying, just sort of saying, well, that was kind of a strange memory. I'm not sure what that was about. Let's just leave that alone. Mm-hmm. Rather than to have my entire world view turned upside down and to realize that I was taken aboard a, an alien spacecraft and maybe probed and prodded and so mm-hmm. forth. I don't know. Well, I, I think that, um, you know, a good, uh, a good way to, to look at that is that, uh, it, the truth is always better. Uh, I, I feel the truth is always better, or your truth, which you, you know, your, your individual truth. You know, if you're, if you're, if your wife or your husband are cheating on you and you have a feeling that they are, <laughs> and your instinct tells you that they are, uh, but there's no proof, you know, you feel like you're losing your mind. You know, it's, it's, it's that, it's that kind of a thing. It's doubting, it's the doubt of your own mental capabilities that that is so uh distressing for these individuals now it's uh, you know i have to say that also and this may surprise you richard but the vast majority of the experiences that people have i would have to call them positive hmm. and sometimes someone recalls consciously just a grain of the experience which seems negative 
Um, I think that primarily we have been visited and um, possibly helped by a wide variety of beings uh, that have regular relationships with our planet and, and are possibly even in a genetic resonation with us to a certain extent. So um, I think that um, I don't think we need any help being terrible to each other. And the worst stories that I have heard, Richard, as far as regressions, have been individuals that were involved in, now this is a whole other subject, but what I would have to call, you know, the black budget, the parallel space program. Uh, some people call it the super soldier program. But there can be no doubt now, I don't believe, uh, from some of the information that's been released uh, through the Freedom of Information Act, that the government from the time of Truman uh, was heavily involved in a type of relationship with a certain group of ETs and experimentation was allowed and also the development of uh, individuals who were in a kind of a... Uh, galactic military um, uh, force um, I think one of the one of the most interesting guys I don't know if you've ever had him on the show would be Randy Kramer Captain K no uh, he's he has incredible uh, uh, he's just an individual but I have people who come to me who have recalled things that are even more uh, shall we say uh, startling and terrifying but they're always involve a human element right mm. And, um, you know, this is, this is my main, you know, I'm on my little platform now, even though I'm flopped here in my office. I'm well, on my, I'm on my platform, but right. I think we, I think fear is, is the, is the destructor. I think we need to move ahead without fear. And by and large, we don't have anything to fear from the individuals who are interacting with us, who may come from uh, other dimensions or, or you know, other planetary systems. What about the the? Uh, and I think Dr. David Jacobs is sort of being exploring this recently, and that is the the human alien hybrid program. Well, I think that exists now. Dr. Jacobs, I have tremendous respect for him, but he does, in my in my viewpoint, tend to sort of take a negative spin on a lot of this. What I think has happened in, um, you know, at least in um, with the European and Northern Europe and uh, and North American governments, I think that um, after the Roswell crash, when you know bodies were collected and also probably at least one living being, uh, we had an opportunity there to. Um, to accept them and learn from them and make that public. And somewhere along the line, uh, under the Truman administration, it was allegedly his decision, um, instead of that, uh, it was determined that the technology would be given to us, uh, leaked out, and we would, we would then uh, deliver this technology to various members of the military-industrial complex. It's very, very clearly outlined in the day after roswell if you happen to have yes. read that book and i think as part of that agreement and many people have sat right in my chair there and told me this there there was also an agreement that the beings with the sort of the darker agenda would be allowed to take an experiment and utilize genetic information from a certain percentage of um, human beings on the earth. So we made a kind of a, we made a kind of a dark agreement 
and uh, an agreement of suppression, uh, a military agreement, um, an agreement of uh, abuse to to the Earth citizens. And as I as I understand it now, from what you know, I'm hearing from various sources, there there came a time where those types of behaviors were uh, these experimentations, these taking of the ova and sperm and all of this stuff has been has been stopped. All right, so listen, I've got, I and I'm really going to stop sorry. in and uh, cut in here. Excuse me, we'll uh, take a time. I'll come back and uh, discuss further. Leslie Mitchell-Clark, Toronto-based certified clinical hypnotherapist, specializes in working with experiencers and contactees. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. The truth is not out there. It's right here. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Leslie Mitchell-Clark stays with us, Toronto-based certified clinical hypnotherapist. Her clinic, Lightwork Hypnosis. Uh, what percentage of your uh, of your clientele are uh, abductees or, or, let's say, uh, contactees, experiencers? Mm, I would say probably about half, I would say. Um, a lot of the time, also, I, I am a, a hypnotherapist at uh, my... Danforth Clinic, which is called the Bloom Center for Hypnotherapy, uh, bloomhypnosis.com. And usually at that location, I'm working with, uh, you know, more, more mainstream, uh, areas, you know, uh, weight loss, anxiety, uh, any kind of negative habit elimination, that type of thing. Right. Uh, I want to go back to the, um, the, uh, this case study, this tenured professor. Yes. Uh, where we left off, he, yes. um, yeah, he came to you because of uh, some missing time. Uh, yeah. He remembered as a child a kind of a strange memory. His father drove off, uh, off onto a side road mm-hmm. for no uh, no uh, explainable reason, and uh, he, mem- he remembered uh, Boy Scouts in the middle of the night riding alongside of the car. Yes. Uh, and then he came to you, and it was uh, these were Greys, mm-hmm. uh, not uh, Boy Scouts. He was taken aboard the craft, and that's kind of where we left off. Yes, and he was, uh, unlike the rest of his family, his parents were conked out. I don't think his parents, they were interested in the parents. Uh, it was the children that were essentially levitated out of the car through the car windows. They, start, they rolled down on their own, as he described it. And uh, when they did get into the craft, uh, he recalled that he was taken, you know, somehow... You know, he was taking his clothes were taken off, and he was lying on a type of an examination table, and he could see there was another examination table very close to him, and his younger brother was on it, and that's when he became really upset because he was afraid they were going to hurt his younger brother, and he was the eldest, so he really started freaking out, and uh, I think one of the beings put their hand on his forehead and immediately calmed him down. And their examination was completely benign. Uh, both he and the brother, they weren't hurt. There was no, you know, painful probing. Um, uh, as far as he knew, no type of implants were inserted. And, um, and, but he was extremely upset just because that he was, he was worried about his younger brother. Somehow they got back into the car and he, he knew it was time to go. And, um, Interestingly, I, I think that it's possible that the craft itself may have been, you know, elevated. 
that they sort of beamed, you know, they took off, and I think this procedure happened because he seemed to recall being sort of beamed down, which is something that, that you know, it's in Gene Roddenberry's universe, and it also actually is, is a big part of the technology, the beaming up and beaming down is, is something we hear about all the time. Right. And, um, and then uh, somehow they got back in the car, but it was quite a bit of time that was missing. It had to have been uh, three to four hours because the sun was coming up when by the time um, everyone sort of was conscious in the car. And, you know, I, I find it so interesting that, that the family didn't speak. I hear this again and again. Uh, a gentleman who's on the program uh, quite regularly, Ali Siadatan, a documentary filmmaker, talked about this to me uh, on the air. Uh, he and his family experienced a giant craft while they were traveling in Iran uh, that... Um, uh, emerged on the right side of their vehicle and went down into the ground and disappeared into the ground. They all witnessed this in the car and they didn't speak of it afterwards. Yeah, I hear this again it? and again. Indeed it is. Listen, we'll take another quick time. I'll okay. come back and uh, reconvene on the other side. Leslie Mitchell Clark, Lightwork Hypnosis. Stay with us. Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Welcome back. This gentleman, this tenured professor uh, that came to you with this uh, missing time, uh, and we just heard his um, remarkable story. Yes. Did, did he discover that he was that this was a, a continuing saga yes. in his life? Yes, indeed. Uh, we, you know, after usually when someone comes with a specific incident where they have a lot of conscious memory mixed in, that's where I start. You know, I go to that incident if we possibly can and, you know, get the information we can. And then, you know, if I haven't kept anybody under too long and, and, and it's possible, uh, we go back to find the first incident of contact. And invariably, I think his, he was about three or four years old. I mean, it's, it's, uh, these, these individuals, these really often very, very smart and interesting people also seem to have, um, a high, uh, PSI factor. In other words, they don't just have experiences with extraterrestrials, they have paranormal experiences of all sorts. So they seem to be, uh, whether, whether the ETs are interested in these individuals because of their genetic uh, ability towards, uh, uh, you know, psychic, you know, psychic phenomena, if you want to call it that, or whether somehow the ET experience incites or stimulates that ability. You know, I'm not really sure. Uh, but whatever, however it happens, people who have experiences with ETs, um, and, um, see craft, they, they seem to have a, a wide variety of experiences that that go into the paranormal areas. Uh, and so, is this ongoing? Then is he? With is this he, gentleman, he, yes, yes, it is ongoing. And what and what we did with the work with him is, you know, we integrated the experiences that he had had that were, uh, you know, where there was missing time or funny feelings or whatever. And there were actually quite more. The more we got into it, it was like opening Pandora's box, and that's frequently the case. The more we got into it, the more experiences began coming up. And so is it a weekly, uh, monthly? I, you know, I, when I'm working with someone in this way, I don't like to see them too often because it takes, I usually will see them every two weeks or maybe even less frequently. And, and I record the session 
for them, and they need to digest and 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 you know and um, integrate what has happened to them. And also, Richard, I should I should make this pretty clear too to your listeners in case you have any listeners out there who are wondering if they themselves are experiencers and they're worried about a fear factor of uh, you know remembering what's happened. We as we do not need to have the hypnotic subject relive trauma to process it and release it. Now, it used to be thought that that was what had to happen. In fact, the, you know, psychiatrists 100 years ago, when they were dealing with phobias, uh, if somebody had a, uh, a fear of spiders, say, for instance, uh, there would be a spider cage full of spiders, and uh, they would have the individual put their hand in for maybe 30 seconds initially and then, you know, put it in for longer and longer until they were desensitized to the spiders. Now, essentially, we work with phobias or post-traumatic stress disorder in the same way. However, um, say an individual is having uh, a recall of an experience that is uh, not very pleasant. Maybe there's there's some examination. Maybe there's some physical discomfort. I will then, and and we all do this, I will then make the person an observer so they are able to see what has happened and understand it without having emotions of fear and panic attached. So by reliving the experience, even if it's from a distance in a sense, that is that is more than enough to release any trauma from the experience. And then it can just come back into normal memory and be integrated. Have you had uh, an incident where someone has come to you with a phobia uh, and not knowing why uh, they're afraid of something, let's say clowns, mm-hmm. uh, and after going under, they 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 discover you discover uh, that the root of that phobia is actually uh, an, an experience. Yes, uh, that 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 has happened. When someone comes with an inexplicable fear that doesn't seem to have a basis in any kind of experience that they can recall, I will sometimes do regression. And I'll tell you, I got a quick story for you about colunophobia. Yes, <laughs> by the way, fear of clowns is one of the top <laughs> one of the top fears. Well, that's the reason fear. I asked it. I heard there may be a connection between fear of clowns and alien abductions. Well, because I think I have heard a lot of stories where ETs in um, in you know taking children for whatever reason, usually not a painful reason, but taking children, they seem to think that clowns are comforting and entertaining, and will assume the guise of clowns, and 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 it's kind of a misunderstanding. I mean, they don't know everything about us, that's for sure. But uh, this one individual came to me at just exactly as you mentioned now with a sort of a paralyzing fear of clowns. I mean, beyond what you would expect from a normal, healthy adult. And in the regression, we found that this individual had been had been taken in the middle of the night, floated right through a wall, and he was about 12. You know, that age where the kids are starting to get a little surly, you know, they just, you know, fight a little rebellious. He, I think he had been taken, you know, we later found out many times before, but he was a cooperative child. Now he was kind of arrogant and bad. So he was floated through the wall and ended up in some location, obviously, on the craft. And it seemed to be, it seemed to have been constructed as a a pediatrician's waiting room. 
and there were a whole number of other children, maybe 10 or 15 children in his age group, boys and girls. Some of them were completely turned off. They seemed to be asleep in their seats. And some of them were semi-conscious. Some of them were, were completely conscious, like my client. So they were pretending it was a pediatrician's office. And then the so-called doctor came out to get my client. And it was a, it was a being wearing a clown outfit. But it wasn't Patch Adams. It was not Patch Adams. <laughs> <laughs> It was not. Thank no. God. Oh, In fact, Badge Adams was a little more frightening than this would have been. <laughs> <laughs> not one of Robin's greatest films. That's what happens when you get the uh, mistress to produce your films for you. Uh, I is tell that you. what happened? Okay. Anyway, so, but I digress. So, uh, so this, this, uh, colunophobia, this, this, this fear of clowns, uh, seemed to have a ground zero in this particular experience. But when children are being taken, the beings often go to great trouble to not be seen. They seem to not really want to frighten the children, and they try different things, but they don't always work. Hmm. Uh, do you sort of under the radar, uh, I don't know if you, I, I, I'm not going to ask you to name a school board, but I'm wondering because I know of educators who have observed students uh, that they suspect may have been um, experiencers or contactees or abductees. Mm -hmm. uh, do you get any work from school boards? You know, the schools are extremely reluctant to use any kind of hypnosis. And I mean just if you were, you know, if they had students who were suffering from anxiety or social anxiety or having trouble focusing, uh, we are completely at this point, sadly, um, you know, off the radar. Um, in that regard. And, you know, I, I mean, there could be a lot of reasons for that. I personally think some of it has to do with the fact that we have nothing to do with Big Pharma. Mm -hmm. um, not that I don't think there are appropriate uses for medications. I'm not anti-medication or anti-vaccine, but when someone comes to us, we're not going to prescribe, uh, you know, Effexor or, 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 you know, or Respiridol. I mean, we're not, we're not in that part of the business. So we're not legitimate, it seems. It's, so that seems to be kind of the thinking. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I wish that we were able to. Uh, now, sometimes in a, sometimes in a, in a private school or a dance school or an art school, I have gone, I have gone in and done group hypnosis sessions for kids to help them deal with competition or to help them deal with their own stresses in school. And that, and that's allowed privately. But as far as the public school system, I have yet to hear about any of my colleagues, uh, you know, being called in to consult on anything. Uh, we, we mentioned uh, Dr. David Jacobs, and yes. you mentioned Dr. John Mack, and I, I believe both of those were um, sort of co-participants um, in that Roper poll. They commissioned the uh, the Roper the yes. company to do that poll on, on uh, experiencers or contactees, and I, I can't remember the figure. Uh, they sort of extrapolated and some, they came up with something like, was it 16% of the general population may have been abducted? Uh, it, it's, it's, 
it's, or 6%? I think now the figure that we that we often talk about is as many as as 14, 15 million people, which is of course the, more than the population of New York City, and some individuals uh, who who are who do this type of work. I think you know uh, will, may say that as many of a third of the people on our planet have had experiences. Mm. So it's uh I mean this is not this is not isolated. Um it's and and of course, you know, I deal with people who have had, you know, on Alan Heinrich's uh, scale who have had, you know, real close encounters. But as many of those people that there are, there are probably millions and millions of people who have simply had visual encounters of craft. Sure. You know. Would, would that be do you believe if if you know, obviously, this would be difficult to to ascertain because you know you you can't you can't poke around in in parts of people's memories where they don't want you to. Mm-hmm. But uh, do you think that would be borne out in if if you were to put people uh, under hypnosis that had no recollection, that had no missing time, but still there would be perhaps an experience there that they weren't aware of? Oh, I think so. Yes, mm. that that that's uh, people who have had sightings uh, very commonly have also had more in-depth experiences. That's very true. I I think that sometimes the crafts show themselves to people. They have, I don't know if they have cloaking technology or if it's on a vibrational level, but there are people who just tend to see a lot of craft. There's a guy who lives in Scarborough. It's one of our suburbs here in Toronto, as you know. Um, his name is Paul Shishis, and he's been on various programs before. So I can and on here, and he sends me almost weekly. He sends me photos of uh, sightings. Well, there you go. All this guy has to do is go out on his deck at work and smoke a cigarette, and he has a sighting. And and uh, and he has had now. Although I haven't worked with him. He has, through conscious memories, he has had many experiences. The first one that he recalls consciously, he's like eight or nine. And so, so not only does he have, you know, visual contact, but I think he has a relationship going with It would have seemed, he did, we actually did a, uh, a regression with him on, live on the radio on, mm. this, on this program. Um, and, uh, you know, that's something I would like to do again. I don't, is that something that you'd be willing to do? We can do it. We can absolutely do it. And, I'm, I'm um, sitting across the desk from someone I think uh, might be uh, an interesting case today. Albert, would you be willing to go under on the air to see if you've been abducted? I, I, I can do it. I, I have a conscious memory of it. Oh, you <laughs> have a conscious memory mm-hmm. of it. Huh? The, the hypnosis may, may bring out more details. Reveal but, more. Yeah. Yeah, we could absolutely do that, Richard. That's not, that's, that's not a problem. Uh, you know, if he's a good hypnotic subject, uh, we can go in there and 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 see what we can find. Uh, and the, and the, obviously, because we, we, if we were doing it on air, we'd have to be you know observing strict protocols and so forth. But yeah. uh, let, let's let's set that up, Albert. If you're willing, I don't want to put any pressure on you. But yeah, no, it's fine. You can deepen the induction and and uh, Governor, you know. I can remember without hypnosis. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well, what we could do uh, is, you know, we could do the rather lengthy induction part, you know, off air, and then when I get him to where he's supposed to be, where he's actually talking to me and recalling, then then that part could be on air. Right. It's just I don't want people, I don't want people to try it at home. No, exactly. <laughs> you know All right, let's let's work on that, Albert. I'm going to leave that in your capable hands. Leslie, thank you so much for this light work hypnosis. How do people get a hold of you? Well, the best way to get a hold of me, and I'm going to give you my cell phone. I, I'm not worried about that. It's 
454-8041. You can always reach me. You can always reach me also at uh, bloomhypnosis.com. Okay, i got to run now. But... All right. Thank you, Richard. Thank you, Leslie. Take good care. All right. Thank you all. Back next week with a brand-new program. Hope you'll see, uh, hope I'll uh, see you then. Bye-bye.